you've tuned into Geek Elite Radio. Good luck. What if you found a portal to a parallel universe? What if you could slide into a thousand different worlds? Where it's the same year, and you're the same person, but everything else is different. And what if you can't find your way home? And welcome to another issue of Imagine If. This week, Chris and I are doing a 101, not to a character, but in honor of Thor Ragnarok coming out. Because uh, if you know, if you if you've seen the movie and you read your comic books, you'll know that Thor Ragnarok the movie is kind of uh, put up of two different comic books: Thor Ragnarok storyline and also the Planet Hulk. Planet Hulk. That's right. So we're doing a 101 for Planet Hulk, just so people know what happened in that story and how it compares to the movie. That way, we can give you more information about Korg. <laughs> <laughs> Essentially, yes. Yeah. So we we just wanted to talk more about Korg. Uh, so if you've seen that movie, um, you, you know we'll we'll definitely be talking about, about that in the, towards the end. Uh, if not, you might want to go and uh, catch that movie first before you listen on. Uh, but before we get to to the one on one for this week, Chris, what is on the spinner racks today? Today is a crazy day for comics, my friend. Um, it's coming up roses for DC Comics, and we're going to get to more of that in a minute, but right now, what's on your rack? Well, Action Comics issue 991. Yep, we're getting that much closer. We're under 10 for 1,000, and today's issue of Action is finally the conclusion to the Mr. Oz storyline. Um, I, I, I glanced through it this morning because I was just in a, you know getting to work and all that stuff, but I have to say I saw one of the most beautiful pages of comic book art that I've seen in a long time. Um, Superman is... After the events of the story, he's he's up at the top of the Daily Planet with John and Lois, and he finally just like he's already he's already troubled by how mankind acts, and then we finally get a glimpse to what he hears. Wow, mm. that just like Dan Jurgens that blew me away. Thank you, that was beautiful. <laughs> um, so yeah, I please go pick that comic up. Do yourself a favor. And speaking of of comics that are. Uh, standing testimony to things uh, today, we will be finally getting the Batman Hush 15th anniversary deluxe hard. Oh my cover. goodness! Yep. It's been 15 years since the since the beginning of Hush or the end of Hush. Uh, well, uh, that part I couldn't answer you correctly. So Probably it's been beginning. 15 years. I, I would definitely say I think they go for the beginning that way. It gives them a little bit more time. You mm-hmm. know? Uh, Dark Knight's Lost, so, well, Batman Lost, which part, which ties into the Batman Metal event. Um, apparently, Scott Snyder's saying there's a big clue in this book to DC Comics 2018. Ooh. So read it carefully. Go buy it. Buy two of them because this you, is what's going to put you through college. So do you think that's, uh, that's that, <gasps> that, that, ha- that pertains to Doomsday Clock? Because, I mean, it seems like 2018 is going to be a, a big, big thing about that is going to be Doomsday Clock. I could say there's probably going to be some tie into that just because if we think about this, Metal is a multiversal story. Mm-hmm. Watchmen is part of the multiverse then, you know? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so I would definitely say, yeah, it's probably an allusion to, um, an alludement to um, Doomsday Clock. Oh, okay. Sorry, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not firing all eight cylinders, I guess. I mean, the the button itself was, was metal. It could, and that's how the story starts off in the button. He's he's sitting in there doing a radiology test or whatever on it, and 
he's saying it's made up of weird shit. So, yeah. you know, it, it definitely is- could have ramifications i would assume yeah that's a smart way to tie it in so hopefully they use that connection point uh let's see detective comics issue 968 is out which concludes the lonely place of living story um it it was great i mean that was a this if you're a tim drake fan buy each one of these issues go get them cg seed because this is like the best story for tim drake this is one of the best stories for tim drake out there so detective good job you guys have been doing it great hal jordan and the green lantern corps issue 32 is out today um that one's been a good book and i believe this one actually is a tie into metal this is where now the evil batman from the multiverse the batman metal group mm-hmm. they're going to be fighting the justice league one on one so this one we're going to see the dawnbreaker versus hal jordan so definitely if you're into metal pick this one up if you're reading green lantern hopefully this will be a fun time uh, we also have Justice League of America number 18, which is going to be the first issue of Justice League of America without Batman. And that's bad timing. Why? Because Prometheus is back. Oh. Um, so, yeah, here they, they're pissed off at Batman for some reason, or maybe Batman was pissed off at them. Now they're going to have some hell to pay. Um, what I do like about what Joe Orlando's doing with this book is he's bringing back some great elements from like the late 90s, early 2000s. So we're getting Prometheus, or not? So we're getting Prometheus today, and then sooner or later we're gonna get Aztec. So I'm like, it's because the helmets—they're gonna fight each other because of those wicked cool helmets, right? That's what's going on. Everybody likes a good helmet. Heck yeah! I mean, that's just props and cosplay. That's what you got to do. Um, today we got Mister Miracle issue four. You know, I can't say enough about this book and this issue. I read it twice already. Mm. I should have read another comic and I had to read it again. <laughs> it's, I cannot say enough about this book. It's beautiful. Um, if you're reading it, yeah, you know, every month I'm going to sit down, read issue one, then issue one, two, then issue one, two, three. I'm just going to like, there's so many layers to it. It's, it's great. It's very worthwhile. So put that on your radar. If you already haven't, um, Titans number 17 is out. And then we will also get Wonder Woman number 34, which should continue on the story with, um, oh man, this one's a tough one. So it's basically dealing with Wonder Woman's brother and then uh, Grail and baby Darkseid, who I think is now kind of aged to teenagerhood or adulthood, I can't remember. But they did it, I think it's like a two-parter and then a four-parter, so essentially it's a six-parter. So I forget what the name is, but this this is really good stuff coming out of the Wonder Woman side of the DCU. So that's all your DC books. I didn't see too much excitement coming from the independent publisher, so nothing really on my radar with that. And then finally, swinging it around to Marvel Comics, we get Daredevil issue 595. Uh, This is the Mayor Fisk storyline. And years ago, in Daredevil issue 297, it led up to issue 300, and it was a great Kingpin story. Basically, Daredevil, or Kingpin's born again. And it was a great sequel to Born Again. I have a feeling that <clears throat> with 595 leading to 600, this is going to be pivotal. So do yourself a favor. Jump on this book. I have I have a really good feeling about this one. I have nothing to credit it except the fact that 600 is coming. Soul has been killing it. You have Netflix. And one of the best things about Netflix is the Kingpin. So I think. There's going to be some huge ramifications with that. Um, if you missed out on Edge of Venomverse and you wanted to get it all, now it's finally collected and the trade paperback comes out today. We are getting some second print variants of the Marvel Legacy books. So Iron Fist 73, Iceman number 6, Jessica Jones number 
13, Avengers 672. So it looks like Legacy did pretty good because a couple of the books are getting some reprints. Then if you're into what they're trying to get you to collect, the Marvel Value Stamp Collector album is out there. Um, this is tough. Collections? Yeah, yeah. So way back in the day, Marvel kind of got this idea, and I don't know if it was good or bad or what the ploy was, but they used to put stamps in their books like in the 70s, but you had mm. to cut them out and paste them into another book. <laughs> so was this a good idea to get collectors to buy two copies, one that will stay forever mint and one that will be cut? Who knows? I'm not too sure the marketing ploy behind it. Obviously, eventually you're going to want to collect them all because that's what we do. We collect every <laughs> yeah. thing. So Marvel brought that idea back. So go get your collecting album and start putting the stamps in there. At least this time, Marvel puts an insert that you cut instead of an actual comic book page. So you don't have to worry about messing up your panels. Uh, Moon Knight issue 188 brings the Moon Knight into the Marvel legacy. So if you're a fan of him, let's see what these new stories bring in tale. I'm excited about this because it brings back the costume and the cover was very good looking. So that should be fun. Spirits of Vengeance number one, I forgot, also got a second printing today, which I enjoyed it. I, I kind of was avoiding it because of the art, I'll be honest with you, but I finally read it and I loved it. I thought it was great. So issue two also comes out today. So if you missed out, you can get both issues one and two for your collection. And then we have Vision Director's Cut issue six of six. So that will complete the reprinting of Tom King's wonderful run on the Vision. So go do yourself a favor, go get that. And that pretty much are some of the big picks on your spinner rack. Say, oh, one more forgot. Uncanny Avengers number 21, 29 is out there. Um, issue 28, which I believe was the start of the legacy book, well, the legacy era for the comic book. I enjoyed it. It was the first time I read Hank McCoy in about a decade where I didn't think he was a douche. <laughs> and of course, Simon Williams was there, one of my favorite characters. So they had a great time. Um, so I'm hoping this book continues on with that, that feeling of just fun comics again that's awesome uh, all right so well, something i'm sorry to interject but i want to ask you this one so since things are like i said earlier things are coming up roses for dc comics all right you've been in this game for as long as i have brian michael bendis going to dc comics yeah i definitely wanted What's to talk about this oh you know this is uh, <laughs> this is insane like okay you remember i would say the first year or maybe it was the second year we went to san diego comic-con or at least we went together uh, there was the dual spotlight panel, which was Jeff Johns and, and Brian Michael Bendis. And the ideas that seemed to just come from that panel oh, was, 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 were just awesome. Now they're actually going to be working together, you know, at the same company. I hope it means some, I hope it means greatness. The only bummer is they only get half the toys though. <laughs> but do they? I mean, they get half the. Yes, you're right. They they don't get the they don't get Marvel, I fair, you know, and fair enough. That's but, the only thing I'm thinking. But I mean, at the same time, to have their creative genius writing together, and, like, and the two of them oh, know man. how to interweave old stories in with new stories yes. so well that we will we might get it back to the rich history of DC Comics that we that I know you've yearned for. Oh and, God, you I know the so stuff stoked. that I love too. So. I, I can only hope that we get something awesome out of the two of them. Well, here's together. what I'm here's where I'm hoping. Here's where I would put Bendis. Okay. JSA. Yeah. I mean, definitely. He, he's great with younger voices. He's great with older voices. I think he'd be fantastic in that. He can do a, a, a cast book. The only bummer is 
and this is well maybe this will play out better he needs to write it bi-monthly because his books do read fast (laughs) they do read fast so in this accelerated dcu this might be the place to be but i mean think about it everybody's crying out for the jsa's return we all want it this is a big moment in the dcu bendis i mean it's funny because I'm not a like, oh, Marvel sucks or DC sucks. No. I love them both. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like Bendis is such a face for Marvel. Yeah. That like him leaving, it's like, it almost feels like, like I want to say it's sacrilege. It's not. But it's like, what? How? No. You know, like I was going to try to Photoshop something and I wanted to get an issue of Jeff Johns's Avengers and the only DC book Bendis did, it was an issue of Batman Gotham Knights. <laughs> and I wanted to put the two of them together and say like, meanwhile on Bizarro World, you know, because <laughs> I thought it would be funny, but it's like, no, like we're, we're almost there. I mean, Bendis is at DC comics. That, and and I, I, so I didn't really get to read any of the articles that, that talked about it or anything like did. There's no info. Sorry. There's a, yeah. There's <laughs> no, no, there's no info because, and this is like, okay, sorry. This is where I'm going to be a jerk. So everybody posts so much stuff out there. Mm-hmm. It's like all you really had to do was go on Twitter. DC Comics woke you up this morning and said, hey, we got Bendis. We're excited. We look forward to it. Uh, Jeff Johns, hey, I'm excited to work with you, buddy. Brian Bendis, it's true. I'm going over there. Change is good. And then as the day progressed, finally, Joe Quesada and other Marvel people came out there and were like, hey, we're excited for you. It's such a loss, but you know this is going to be awesome. And even Joe Quesada is like, I'm, I'm excited to read what you're going to write. And it's like, wow, that's cool. Like He didn't jab or anything. You know, It was fun. I think Zeb Wells, if I'm saying the name right, I think he had the best response. He, he, he responded to Bendis and he's like, was it something I said? <laughs> so then Bendis resp- responds back, I'm going to punch you right in the zeb. So I thought that was fun. But there's that's the story. We know nothing. Yeah, no, we no. We don't I, know what this multi-layered deal yeah, is. Yeah, and I knew I knew there wouldn't be any details of whether or not he, you know, what what, what his deal is, what, there, what, what, what books he's going to work on. Well, everybody's saying it's the movies too. And that may be. Who knows? I mean, the guy, you Like, know, what do you mean the, by that? Well, so he what might get to be. speculating? So okay, so Bleeding Cool ran this big argue or this big article, and it's not bad. I mean, they do they do at least pretty good research for what they've got. So why did Bendis leave Marvel? And that's a big question. And we're never gonna see that. Then five years from now, we'll finally get the truth. You know what happened? You know who did he get in a fight with? How did things go? But the big thing is, so when Marvel Studios was really firing up, and everybody reported to Ike, Feige did get a lot of comic book writer response and they would have Bendis in the room at some points, you know, like, oh, you know, blah, 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 blah. Well, now that Figi reports to Figi, he doesn't need the writers as much, you know, but they still do a good job. I mean, they're they're thanking writers and I'm sure there's there's some talks and whatnots, but it's like basically he went from being there on that upper shelf to there is no shelf. Mm-hmm. You know, he's written everybody that he could want. Who's left? Fantastic Four. Well, that ain't happening because Marvel is just self-defeating in that 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 strategy whatever that strategy is you know so they put up all these different bullet points so that's what they're saying so basically with him and john's being friends and john's being the figgy of dc it's like well yeah sure you can be a consultant with me on the movies so that's what they were trying to play up i don't know if that's true and it would make no sense no offense i mean yes the man can tell a good story so obviously it doesn't work like you know hey read identity crisis now pitch me a movie you Mm -hmm. know like it wouldn't be bad for him to do his homework 
and I'm not against having a comic book writer be up there instead of some producer who has no ideas, but I don't think it's, he's going to get, you know, like, Hey, welcome to the table. Sit where dad sits. You know? <laughs> and, 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 you know, that's what, uh, it's essentially, I mean, I know there wasn't going to be any news about, or any real story about why he's not working at Marvel anymore, but it's crazy to think that it's an exclusive at D- DC, you know, uh, and what what it is that that means what i mean what characters he's going to um have a hand in and and as we do in this show uh we talk about you know we take a story from one world and we try and cast it in the other let's talk about some of the biggest stories that he did over at marvel and who who would be the counterparts to those stories oh man in the dc universe so okay well his first work ultimate spider-man right so yeah, I would almost play with the Earth One books. Yeah, that's you true. Know, yeah, maybe they could revive. No, the answer, the original answer, All Star. That's what they created. They created the All Star books did, yeah. to basically be the ultimate line. It just didn't go the way it was. So they relaunch All Star Superman with a younger Clark Kent dealing with his superpowers. Would you read it? I would. So would you say you would say that Superman is the flagship of DC? Where. Spider-Man was the flagship of, of Marvel? Oh, of course. Okay. I mean, I know everybody's going to want to say, oh, Batman. Yeah, no. Oh, no, no, no. I, I, I'm not disagreeing <laughs> with you on the Superman part. I'm disagreeing. I'm not even disagreeing with you on the <laughs> Spider-Man part. I'm just saying, would you consider Spider-Man the flagship of Marvel? Yeah, no, I, I definitely wouldn't. Especially at that time, you know, because they, they launched that that whole universe with to the, go alongside the, the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man right. film. and. Depending on how you look at it, the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man were the first shared universe. I mean, we did see the Punisher. We did see the Punisher. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but they did launch that, and and that's where they built the whole world from. They built it with you know the Fantastic Four in there, and the Ultimates, which eventually led to mm-hmm. the movies as they are now. The, the, that's the true. That's very true. So I mean, that world was built with a Spider-Man in mind, being launched brand new, a la the Spider-Man films of Tobey Maguire. So, yeah, uh, All-Star Superman book, you know. Yeah, so, All-Star Superman Volume 2. But see, Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know if you could do that because it's All-Star Superman is so, like, critically and fan-praised. Yeah, it would be hard to take that title. Yeah. It really would. So, I mean, that's where it's like, you know, we need to look up our... Uh, Syn- uh, syn- I always have trouble with this word. Synonyms? Yeah. Or synonyms so, of, ultimate, of uh, ultimate. And then, like, <laughs> you know, like the wonderful Superman, or I the, don't know. But, the pinnacle Superman? Yeah, you know, and. And there you go, because the the Earth One books, obviously, they're they're doing on their own, and I don't think they want to destroy that world. I wish they would flesh it out more. Uh, and they are. There's talks like I know we're getting Green Lantern Earth One. I hear rumor of an Aquaman Earth One. But I don't feel that world has the – it had the potential that the Ultimate Universe had, but it didn't go there. I know I've only read I've, – I've only read uh, book one and book two of, of, of Earth One Superman, and I think I've only read book one of Batman Earth One. Uh, but from what I understand at that point – None of those stories really connect with each other. No, nobody's like, you know, like, oh, well, Superman's over in Gotham or anything. We haven't had any of that. Yeah, so to me, it seems those are all just kind of one-off stories and just like, hey, we just want to be able to tell a story without any interference from anything else. It's not just, here's your world, make your movie, go. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, if we're building something, but yeah, I mean, that's that's where I would say, so like an Ultimate Universe style with Superman at the helm. Uh, Okay, um... What was uh what's the what's it Secret Invasion? That was him, right? Yep, Secret right, Invasion so was Bendis. What would did we do secret have we done a Secret Invasion? 
I think we've strayed from it just because DC actually did a secret invasion. They right. called it invasion back in the day. Right. You know, but that would be fun to play with what alien race comes in and shapes shifts them way or in interprets. I mean, because you did essentially have the Manhunters that were playing the parts of certain people. Commissioner Gordon, Wally West's dad, and other various characters. I would say the easy an easy one would be White Martians. That would be badass because the element of fear that they bring to the table. Yeah. Oh, god. So you got white Martians hanging out on Earth and 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 replacing certain superheroes, like who? who what's the? What's one of the main? Uh, uh, Spider Woman. Yeah, I was gonna ask who's your who's your like Electra and Spider Woman were the big faces of that. That's one. yeah, that's true. So you know the Queen takes over Spider Woman. So who who's the Spider Woman of the DCU? Who do you? Do you go? Do you go to the the highest of women, and do you actually dare do that? Do the Wonder Woman? Yeah. No, I don't think you'd want to do that. You want you want something that's a little more subtle. Um, Batgirl. Oh. Batgirl's not bad because that hits the Batman heart. That, that's a that's a bat. Yeah, that's that's Bat family right there. Yeah. I think the equivalent would be a little bit more of Batwoman, Kate Kane. True, but, but she's I, not. She's, <laughs> yeah. Um, and then who's your Electra? The big reveal, she dies, and it's it's a reveal that oh she's a scroll, so that means there's other scrolls around. Mm-hmm. Or so who's the the death? That person dies, and and now you got everybody around uh, saying oh man, there's white Martians around. Hmm. Uh, do we go with Ted Cord? You, you show up, <laughs> you, you redo his death, but then that kind of be like hey, that means Ted Cord's actually out there somewhere being held <laughs> captured. Maybe, maybe. Well, I was thinking, here's the one I would have tossed out. Talia. Oh, you just really want to get into that Bat family. Oh, yeah, I'm sticking it to him. Well, because think about this. Like, Here's a happy little accent that comes from it. Bruce is going to look at Damien and be like, what the fuck? <laughs> you know, like, did I bang in a Martian and does my son have Martian? Or, oh, wow. You know, so he would really call to question. And, you know, Batman being the way he is. And Damien would be like, no, you're not going to test me, father. But then Damien would be like, oh, my God, I need to test myself. <laughs> uh, and then, okay, and then I know as of late in the last couple of years, he was doing uh, guardians, right? Yeah. He, he did a stint on the guardians of the galaxy. And basically he wrote the version that kind of came to be the model to what the movie was. Okay. You know, so, so he was the one who injected the humorous Peter Quill and stuff like that. <laughs> Do you give him a suicide squad book? Ugh, no, I, I, I it just, uh, that's, look, that's what they tried to make the suicide squad into the guardians of the galaxy. Okay. I don't like that. I like the way suicide squad was written when I read, when I read it. And I know that, you know, that's a little bit different than the way that it's written now, but, uh, well, to me, I've never seen suicide squad be in that vein. Um, and even then, like having been a, a fan who read the material that made guardians of the galaxy worth being a property to explore. And then eventually Bendis getting a hold of it and remodeling for the movie and then a mixture of the two. But I would almost say, okay, fine. If we're going to play with like a, a, a group of rogues, I would almost want to say, I think this is the right one. Wasn't it Secret Six? Oh, yes. I just love that. And that would that definitely was Catman, go. Right? Yeah, Catman, yeah, Catman, Deadshot. So, I mean, yes, we get a better Deadshot, you know, hopefully, you know. <laughs> 
And I think that would be neat because I would like Bendis to get to play with the idea of Mockingbird. Who is Mockingbird? You know, maybe maybe it is Amanda Waller. And maybe she's just fucking with her suicide squad so bad. <laughs> maybe the government got tired of her. So now she forms her own group and pulls all the strings and she's going after the squad. I don't know. It would just, there's so much potential there. And I think Bendis would, ha- he has enough gojones in the, the whole, the, that dark cloak and dagger style. He's got that, so I, I, I would put I would go there. Well, uh, and I know that you'll probably like this choice, um, but what if it's Challengers of the Unknown? I think that's neat, <clears throat> but again, the Challengers. I mean, we we have we have Challenger Mountain in the middle of uh, metal right now, yeah, right? Yeah. So, well, you know, there is a book coming though, so. There, hey, well, <laughs> we have a writer here. <laughs> no, actually, I think that's Scott Snyder's. I yeah. think that's Scott well, Snyder's, you know, maybe. he can't be on it. He launches it, and you know, Bendis takes over. But even then, I mean, I don't know. Challengers is Challengers is such a tough book because, okay, like fan, like Fantastic Four. Obviously, those two, those two are the same, mm-hmm. but they've changed so fundamentally. Right. The Fantastic Four is family. Mm-hmm. Like they survive whether we know their origin or not, and that's a beautiful thing in comics. Challengers, on the other hand. <clears throat> they've been restarted, done, restarted, done, restarted, done. And originally it was four guys. Then later on they did three guys and a girl. And then somebody had the idea to put all of them together. And, you know, and it, it's so tough because the whole point of why they work together is because they all survived a crash together. So they realized they live on borrowed time. And their symbol's actually an hourglass, you know. Um, that that would be kind of fun to put our man on that team. I've like I've never <laughs> like I've always been like, why is there no connection? You know, but hey, you know, whatever. Um, it's tough because I don't like to me. That's the the sci-fi adventure explorer book, and I've never seen Bendis do that yet. Not to say he couldn't, but it could be worthwhile. But I just I don't know. I don't know if it it's not hitting me on the radar. Okay, then you know? how about how about Doom Patrol? Is anybody doing anything with Doom Patrol right now in um, Rebirth? Oh, man. Well, isn't Gerard Way, isn't that part of his whole, whatever that is, something cow milk or whatever he's doing? Young Animal? There we go. Young oh, Animal. Oh, that's really? I think. I think he's got something over there brewing in that. Well, but, you know, that's, I don't know. There's 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 some ideas out there. And uh, like I said, I'm just excited. It could be just about anything at this point. Oh, yeah. He could, he could play with so much great stuff. Like... All right, here's one. Just, just I know we want to move along because we got a lot to talk about, but this one would be fun. All right, so they do House of M, okay? So House of <laughs> D or whatever you want to call it. Who are your two teams that go at it? So it was Avengers and X-Men. So who do you cast as your two teams that go at it? Oh, who, wait, who's the D in House of D? Detective Comics. Oh. <laughs> well, okay. I, I mean, it's House of M. Uh, that's tough because is it House of Marvel? Is it House of Mutants? See, you I know, always thought it was House of Magneto. Okay, so you could play that because the M lends itself so many ways. Right, right. So, okay, I guess that's where you would have to start is <clears throat> what are you going to eliminate? Is it going to be somebody says, is it Satana says no more Kryptonians? She says it backwards. Nips Kryptonians more, Nick, you know, or however. <laughs> Just re- re-edit that for me. But does she say that? Does she say no more bats? Or how, how would you play it? No. I guess that's where we got. We start and then we work it backwards. I think, I think that would be great if she said no more Kryptonians because, like, say... For well, you just had that. Uh, well, not but not just had, but a couple years ago when they had that uh, Planet Krypton story. Mm-hmm. So you literally had a another Krypton floating straight across the the sun from the Earth. So yeah, you know the War of the Supermen and stuff like that. So yeah, she throws out I the mean, no more Kryptonians. Obviously, if, since we're using Zatanna, it, it'd make more sense in the the analog 
form for her to say no more magic because Scarlet Witch was mutant. She said no more mutants. But if she says no more Kryptonians, and so, you know, Batman doesn't have, you know, a Superman to sit there and not only, you know, not only up his game, but also keep him honest. And, you know, so he just a little more unchecked. Yeah, he's a little bit more unchecked. So he becomes more it becomes more of a police state. And so you have the bat family rising to power and keeping every like almost like a nightwing new new order kind of thing you know where he's they're they're keeping all the metas down and and making sure that you know no one else can can do that cuz they don't you don't have superman there to be like no this is what a person with meta powers could do like they can be a shining light so yeah you have you have the jla going up against the house of of bat <laughs> so the House of Wayne, so yeah, House of W, or? yeah, sure, nice, okay, I like that because I, I, yeah, I mean it's who who does have a lot of not sinister motivations but an agenda to get what they want, and yeah. it's, it does fall under the Batman, and you know it could be kind of maybe a neat twist. <clears throat> so you know how we looked at it, and it turns out like okay, well not necessarily, but like Namer got a little bit of a boost because of it, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe that's the role of Rachel Ghoul. So maybe Batman takes a little bit of guidance under Ra's al Ghul's agenda. And mm. now that explains why he has that whole majesticness of it all. Right. And then, be- you, and, you know, even though when she said no more mutants, there were still a few mutants left in, in or, yeah, the 198. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. Do we? Does that mean we get rid of some actual Kryptonians when we come back? Oh, I think that'd be neat. Play it that way. I mean, yeah. you, can take, you can depower Superman for a while. And now we have some more people to play with. Um Jonathan Kent, boom, no more powers. Superman, boom, no more powers. General Zod, the Eradicator, um, you know, and then well, Supergirl. I mean, good golly, you know. But then that's a great point where you introduce Connor Kent back. You bring you bring him back. He's not going to follow. Well, maybe he doesn't fall under it. Maybe you add another layer to Connor, you know. So that could be kind of exciting, you know. Stuff like that. Play with it, you know. Well, Connor, I think actually that'd be kind of cool. Maybe Connor and Jonathan fall under. Since they're human Kryptonian hybrids, they're like the 198 mutants that didn't lose their power. Mm-hmm. So you now have a Jonathan Kent with all the powers of Superman, but not a Superman to temper him. Mm-hmm. So when he gets mad at Dad, it's like pff, flies off. You know. <laughs> then you got Connor, who's basically kind of the forgotten sheep of the family. So how? Yeah, that could be some fun stuff to play with. Okay. Uh, yeah, no, uh, like I, like I said, uh, I am super stoked, excited to, to read the stories that Brian, Brian Michael Bennis is going to do over at DC. Hopefully it's not disappointing. Uh, uh, I, 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 I can't, I can't see this going bad though. No, no. And actually, as a matter of fact, I'm really excited about what's going on. Um, Bendis moving over to DC as an exclusive. I, I'm just, I'm curious what toys are going to let him play with. Um, and two other I mean, ones. Snyder has kind of got his hands on Batman at the moment, right? Well, I think he's going to be replenished, like letting go, you know, like because he's done a he's done a mega opus with Batman. Yeah, I mean he's been on Batman since, since New Fifty Two started. Yeah, in, so right? was it two thousand eleven? Yeah. So it's been a while. I mean, I don't even know if Grant Morrison was on the book that long, <laughs> you know. And it's pretty much that's how Batman goes. It's Scott, and then before that was Grant, and then before that was oh. <laughs> <laughs> 15 years ago was Jeff Loeb and Jim Lee. I know that. <laughs> but um, but anyway, some interesting stuff going on on the Twitter. So do yourself a favor. If you're on this Twitter thing, I've, I'm finally starting to learn it a little bit better, and I'm enjoying my time on Twitter. 
I gotta say, I think it's neat to actually have reactions from comic book writers and artists. I'm loving this. You know, so I've been pushing myself to try to do a quick review. What is it, 140 characters? It's tough. Well, actually, you know? as of today, I think everybody got the upgrade for the 280 characters. Okay, so. that explains why. Okay, because so now that I'm switching over to Android, I don't <laughs> understand it. I just try to use it. And it's funny because there's no character count. It's just a big wheel. Right. And I'm like... Am I getting closer? Not so. I like try to type, and then I like I'm like I'm gonna stop here because I want to get greedy. So all right, that explains. <laughs> yeah. I just thought maybe my 140 count was getting even better. <laughs> Thanks for popping that bubble. <laughs> yeah, no, now now it will it will only start counting down once you get to within 15 characters to the sense. end. I think is what it is. But yeah. yeah. Okay, but well, so all right, good. Now that makes my reviews that much better and easier. <laughs> uh, but anyways, going back to why I brought this up. So Jonathan Hickman. Might be going DC as well. Eesh. There's another punch right in the Marvel. Um, well, <laughs> well the- hopefully that just means that Marvel will start picking up some, you know, new indie writers or you know, like new talent and stuff like that. They're gonna have to. Uh, like I know us. two guys that are willing. <laughs> hint, 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 nudge, nudge. <laughs> um, Mjolnir. So, uh, <laughs> but anyways, but because like again, going back to this though, real quick, this is tough. Like, I mean, Bendis, Bendis took an, uh, a crazy time to to leave Marvel because it's like we're in the middle or we're at the start of Legacy. So, I mean, I thought Bendis was in charge of bringing back Iron Man. So, you know, did he kind of, is this like a JMS situation where it's like, here's my outlines? Or, you know, Bendis is good enough that he may have said, okay, I already wrote the nine issues. Here they are. See you later. So we're still going to see Bendis books for another nine months. (laughs) It's just we know where he's really at. Um, But anyway, so Jonathan Hickman's looking to go DC. Um, Tom Taylor, a shout out to Tom Taylor. Now, this scares me, though. So he's going to be making a big Marvel announcement here pretty quick. Um I want Tom to get as much work as possible. He's a jolly fellow. He's great. He's one of my favorite Australians, all four of them. Uh, no, uh, nothing against Australia because uh, I know they listen to us so much. But, but so anyways, um, he's going to be making an announcement about Marvel here pretty quick. So I'm worried because, like I said, I want the best for him. I want to see him get as much as he can. But I don't want him to leave DC because he is what makes the Injustice book the best. Right. So Marvel, if you're going to take them, you have to let them write one book. That's all I'm asking <laughs> it for. It can't be okay? an exclusive contract. Or you talk to me and I will tell you about my revenge book. And what if? Which will be my sequel or my, my imagine if of injustice. Oh, see, I was going to say, what if, what if you went over, what if you went over to D or to Marvel and he made the anti-vengers? The revengers? <laughs> they were the revengers. Yeah. So. Maybe I mean I'm okay with that. But <laughs> I just I just like can't lose injustice. He's built such an amazing world. Um, I mean, no offense to Brian Brutusello and the other art writers that got on there, but when Tom left and they finished up Tom's outline, the book sucked. <laughs> sucked royally. I bought it for a while there out of pity, and then once he came back for Injustice Two, I was like, this book is gold. <laughs> Don't take my gold. Uh, and that's awesome. Um, I went to Tucson Comic Con this past weekend. Uh, I had a great time. That was, it was a really good uh, convention, um, and I'll look forward to next year too. However, I got to um, sit in on a panel where they were talking. Uh, the company, new company, was trying to was uh, starting up a new comic book, 
And I just wanted to bring a little bit of attention to it because I thought it was an interesting concept. It's called Focus. The book is called Focus. And if you go to focuscomic.com, you can read more about it. But it's a it's a superhero who is also autistic. And, you know, they're kind of bringing spotlight to... Um, Special needs? Not just... Yeah, but focusing mostly... No pun intended, but focusing mostly on autism and how it affects people and, you know, how it uh, it needs to be brought to the forefront of, you know, it's not it's not so stigma. Well, this way we get a better understanding of it. Right, see exactly. How it really is. And uh, it, very, it, sound, it sounded like a very interesting uh, um, concept and a very interesting character. And uh, I believe Tony Todd, if you know your actors, Tony Todd, the um, a- actor for Candyman and um, uh, the voice of Zoom on Flash, you know, he... Uh, he he lends his voice to the trailer that comes out for that came out for the the comic book, and uh, yeah, you should definitely give it a, give it a chance, give it a look, uh, go to the website and see what you see what you see about that. Yeah, all right, I'll have to check that out. Uh, okay, with that, let's talk about uh, what you what have you been reading this week? All right, so I finally finished up my Captain Adam run. Ooh. <clears throat> I enjoyed it. Um, well, actually, okay, I got to be honest. I enjoyed it up to issue 50 uh, <laughs> because that's when the main writer left. So he gave a solid 50 issues, uh, really good government espionage, superpowers, just fun stuff, um, dealing with the quantum field and all that stuff. Really good. The next seven issues were a little tough to deal with um, just because it didn't know where the book was going. And I think by that point there were talks to be like, hey, let's make Captain Adam be Monarch. And then, of course, that blew up. Um, so right now I'm making my way through Armageddon, the alien agenda, which was the sequel to Armageddon 2001, which was spoiled pre-internet. Right. Um, so I've been reading that, but, uh, again, like I said, though, actually today, like the biggest ones that popped out, like I honestly, when I go home, I'm going to read it again. Mr. Miracle number four. Wow. Like I can't wait to actually put those issues together. Read one, two, three, and four in a standing order. That was just, it was insane. Uh, and again, I'm catching up on my Batman metal issues. So uh, I finally got through the Devastator. That was pretty good. That was an interesting twist on stuff. So I'm excited about that. So I guess it's just been a mishmash of everything. <laughs> um, I restarted that Batman face to face. That was the one I was telling you guys about. Uh, the one year later, Two Face Batman story, um, and that was fun. Just to. Now I know how it ends. It may, it reads even more sad for me because Harvey Dent is one of my favorite. Uh, he's a villain, but I'm gonna say antihero. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so what about you? What's been? You know, actually, with the going to Tucson Comic Con and uh, I, I, my work shift shift got moved around, I didn't get a chance to read anything this week. So uh, it really sucks, and I, I have some catching up to do, but. Um, you know, I, I don't know if there was anything, was there anything of great importance in last week's comics that I, sh- I should be looking forward to? Oh, man, last week. That's tough because the, the weeks blur by. Well, okay, honestly, I, well, I want to put this on your radar then. I want to say the last two issues of Guardians of the Galaxy. I, I, I can't hype that book up enough. And considering what's going to happen at Marvel, that's probably going to be a good place to look. What, so, what, let me ask you, what, what, what is the... Well, is there something that current that he that Brent Bendis was working on, uh, a title? Was it? Was well, so it? he was writing Defenders. Okay, uh, That's I think right. he was also writing Jessica Jones, and I believe he was also writing Miles Morales. 
Oh, the, so the Spider-Man, Spider-Man book. book oh. You know, and actually, wow, I I should have looked at that better. I need to see now if in the legacy with Miles Morales' book, was it Bendis scheduled to be the writer for the Sinister Six arc? Mm. I just kind of took it for granted. I was like, oh, I guess Bendis is writing that. But, wow, maybe that should have been a big-ass clue that Bendis wasn't going to be sticking around. Which is, uh, you know, that's it's a good thing you brought that up because that's a, a, a headline that I read today uh, on the social medias. Uh, they revealed today in in the Spider-Man book who was who in the Iron Spider armor. Because right. I think we talked about that last week or maybe two weeks ago, that 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 armor is once again uh, making its way around the Marvel U, and we had no idea who was in it. But it turns out it's um, Aaron Davis, Miles Morales' uncle from the Ultimate Universe, the nice. Prowler from the Ultimate Universe, as opposed to the Prowler from the 616. Um, and maybe that's why he decided to put on the Iron Spider armor. Now, this... The whole time, the whole thing where Miles Morales in the Ultimate Universe kind of came over to uh, the six one six was during the time when I was uh, and I had stopped reading comic books, so mm-hmm. I really don't understand like why some Ultimate characters are over in the six one six while others aren't, like uh, James Hallett or I'm sorry, John Hallett. Oh John, man, what is his? Yeah, I know what you're talking about his son. Yeah, yeah, uh, Wolverine's son. God, it just slipped my name. Jimmy out. Hudson. Jimmy Hudson. Yeah, there Jimmy Hudson. Go. He just appeared in the X Men Blue the all team. Blue, yeah, yeah. Blue book, yeah. So, I mean, why is it that some Marvel char- Ultimate characters are over there while others aren't? You know, honestly, that that's a tough one because that's Fallout from Secret War. Okay. And we had, I believe, it was called Ultimate End which was basically the goodbye book to the Marvel Universe. Bendis and Bagley reunited to write that one since mm-hmm. they started the Ultimate U. They ended it. And <clears throat> we didn't know, like, basically with post-Secret War, there's a lot we don't know about Marvel. You know, it's a clean slate, but it's not a clean slate, you know? So for Miles, it was almost like, um, oh, I can't think of his name now. He wears that green suit with, like, the purple lightning on it. Molecule Man, there we go. Mm-hmm. Molecule Man was like... Your mom's alive because you gave me a cheeseburger. Thanks. Wow. And, you know, Miles is like, I remember my mom dying, but I'm here and she's here and we're part of this world. And even Spider-Man's kind of like, yeah, I remember you used to be on another world and now you're not. So I don't know if, like, obviously they folded the two realities in, but it's, you know, it's like, well, you know, Miles never really popped up on Cap's radar. So is there a need for him to know about that or not? Who knows? But then, yeah, we do have a lot of, like, the ultimate mutants are popping up, obviously, like you like you said, with Jimmy. And it's like, wow, and there's been a couple more ultimate characters coming through. So it's tough to say, like, all right, who lived, who died, and why? And how did they come back? Nobody's really done that Just yet. Just like old man Logan. He, did he yeah, show he up after Secret out of, War also? Or? Exactly. And it was because, because basically, we I, I guess a good way to look at it is we had Battle World. Mm-hmm. Which brought characters Which brought, Yeah, and it had like the different war zones. So that's where it's like you had all these different territories that would be living in something. So it's interesting you brought that up because, yes, one territory would have been like the Old Man Logan book. So somehow he made it into the 616 proper. But then another territory was Renew Your Vows. But they didn't make it to the 616 proper, which is weird because like what's the rules? Why did that happen? Why didn't it happen? We don't know. They haven't explained yet. Right. Okay. Well, that's you know, it's very interesting. Um and uh, I, I guess we'll just have to see where more of the fallout comes. Yeah. 
but with that, let's go ahead and talk about Planet Hulk. Yeah, so, gosh, Planet Hulk. You know, I'm going to be honest. I read a lot of stuff, and this was one of the books that I didn't read. So you're going to have to take point on this one. You know, okay, and, and uh, I want to say when it first came out, I didn't read it either. I, I watched the animated movie first, and then I went back and read it. Nice, and I remember watching that animated movie. That was a good one. It really was, and and after reading it, it's like, oh, they actually stuck really close to you know what happens in the book. So that was that was cool. Uh, let's go. We're going all the way back to April two thousand six, and the story, the publication dates are two thousand six of April to uh, June two thousand seven. So it was it was over a year long. Your writer is uh, Greg Pack, and your pencilers are Carlo Pagliani. Peglian, yeah. Peglian, okay, Peglian. and Aaron Laprestri. La Laprestri, La, 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 T. To, okay. Either way, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you got your you got your Hulk, you got your Illuminati, and you got your Warbound. Now, the Illuminati. I always thought this was an interesting group. Um, definitely, was this. Do you know if this was the first time that we actually got to see the Illuminati? I believe it was actually because this the only it, it's funny because I was reading the the I was reading up on the story about the story not reading the story but it initially fell out because of the Illuminati sending Hulk into space mm-hmm. and I remember that special it was an Illuminati special and it was like maybe like six months before Civil War mm-hmm. so it's like this is like hey something's coming you know and uh, who cares who knows what's going on what's this Illuminati maybe I won't pick it up luckily there were enough Avenger characters in it and Bendis <laughs> wrote it and yeah it, it was like they were basically just like oh hey Bruce we need you to destroy this satellite or there's something out there in space would you do it and he's like oh sure and you know goes out there and does the deed um, but yeah, it basically the, the seeds were planted in the first appearance of the Illuminati. So that one book spiraled out into two amazing stories: the Civil War and then the Planet Hulk. Right. So you have uh, Tony Stark. Uh, you have uh, Reed Richards. Reed Richards. Uh, Namer. Namer. Charles Black Xavier. Bolt, Ch- Charles Xavier. You said Tony Stark, right? Yeah. So it's how many words are six? I, I want to say it's six because there was enough for the Infinity Gem. So Tony Reed, Stephen Strange, Stephen Strange for your Charles magic, Charles Xavier, Charles Xavier, Black Bolt, Black Bolt, the Silent and, Guy, and Namor again, and Namor. Yeah. So yeah, there's your six. So so you had you had mutants, tech, magic, Inhumans, uh, the sea, and. Who was the last one again? Who did we not say? Oh, was well, it mutants? Because the, the no, I said mutants. That was Charles Xavier. Was was uh, Black Panther on the team? No, he was the one who hosted them. Because when they first got That's together, right. he hosted them, and he was like, "This is a bad idea." Reed, Reed, Reed. Fantastic Four. So yeah, you're Fantastic Four. Uh, you know, they they basically after the Hulk once again goes crazy and and murders Las Vegas of all places too. <laughs> Las Vegas again. <laughs> Cuz uh later on we're going to get to Secret Empire. Guess what Las Vegas? You're going to yeah. get hit again. Oof. Uh but yeah, the, he destroys most of Las Vegas and the the Illuminati get together and like, "Well, this can't happen again." And you know what? The Hulk's just been a thorn in our side for so long even though he's a founding member of the Avengers. But, you know, yeah. We're all too damn smart for this room, so let's not figure <laughs> out how to cure him. Let's just set him in a space. Let's throw our garbage away. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, they send him to the space. It's supposed to be a planet that they've designated as uninhabited, uninhabited, 
and uh, should be safe for him to be there. But he gets sucked into a wormhole on the way through and then ends up on planet Sakaar. Uh, and just like this planet Sakaar in, in the movie, it's a, it's a battle planet. Uh, you know, it's, it's got one ruler. This time it's the Red King instead of the Grand Master. Yep. And uh, he basically has people battle for his and his people's entertainment. And you have characters, you meet characters like Korg and Meek and... Uh, let's see who the rest of his warbound is. Uh, a no-name brood, uh, Eloy Caffey, uh, Lavinsky, Harum. Uh, it makes me think. Do you think that they didn't in- include a brood character because that's a, a Fox-owned character? Oh, when they did the movie, yeah, yeah, I would definitely say that the brood was not there because obviously for the fans of this genre. The brood isn't important. No. You know, because we've never seen it in the movie. So, you're, you know, it's a nice Easter egg. But people are going to be like, what the hell is that thing? Why is that cockroach <laughs> up there? <laughs> so I know one of the rumors is that Scrolls is actually owned by Marvel Studios right now instead of being owned by Fox. Yes. Which you would think they would be since of Fantastic Four. Right. The first appearance. But uh, if that's true, I wonder if you can watch Thor Ragnarok and, you know, like, Look at some of the the crowd oh, scenes, aliens yeah. And see if yeah. Because that was a big thing in um, what was it? Disassembled, right? You, there was just happens to be there just happens couple, to be a damn scroll. Yeah, the Kree Empire is attacking, and the Kree and scrolls are are enemies. And then all of a sudden, you just have this random ass um, scroll there. Yeah. So so Bendis, <laughs> when you write Justice League Disassembled. You have to have a random ass scroll or a DC equivalent alien in the fight scene because you did it to us once before. The white talked about white it Martian. Long time. Yeah. It's just got to be there. Uh, so yeah, if uh, with with his the, these other uh, gladiator prisoners that he he finds, he he, he befriends them. He uh, also has to go up against, I believe, is, is so is it this at this time is do they call him the Savage uh, Silver Surfer? Yes, he was the Savage Silver Surfer because he too also got kidnapped. And just like Hulk got that cool gladiator look, mm-hmm. the Silver Surfer had the same thing. But I thought was cool was his shield was also his surfboard. Mm. So yeah, he was the Savage Silver Surfer. And he, obviously, uh, he had they they were all being controlled by by obedience discs, just like you saw Thor being controlled by uh, an obedience disc disc in the in the movie. Yep. Now, do you really think that the Silver Surfer with power cosmic can be controlled by an obedience disc. Well, that's a tough one because when he has the power cosmic, that means he's uh, uh, essentially the the, the, the servant herald. of Galactus, the herald of Galactus. But he, he has so he's pow- not always. But he has powers when he's not the herald too. <laughs> but that doesn't mean they're power cosmic. So maybe they're not strong enough uh, to okay. prevent that. Fair I mean, it's a tough one. It's a tough call. Plus, it's alien tech, so who knows how strong? I mean, dude, we're talking about the Hulk. His anger burns like the sun. So it's like, <laughs> how could you control that? Like, wouldn't that? Wouldn't that? Eventually, that technology just be like, fuck this, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, you know, eventually Hulk, obviously, uh, being the Hulk, uh, rises to power, um, as the, the strongest, one, strongest one, yeah, the strongest one there's, and also I believe while he's on Sakaar, he's also, uh, rather intelligent. He, he has a lot of Bruce's intelligence, which I think is important that we see in Thor Ragnarok. Cause the last time we see him in the MCU is Agent... Uh, Agents, no, Age of Shield, Age Age of Age Ultron, Ultron. Sorry, and you know you still have he's rather mindless. You know you have Hulk's just a thing, a brute, yeah, a baby. You, you need you need um, Black Widow to calm him down, tell him to 
the sun's going down, you know, stuff like that. But it, he's he's having full on conversations with Thor. He's you know they're not eloquent conversations, but he's having those. So it so I guess it's a good good way you put that. So Age of Ultron, he's he's a baby. This one he's more he's of a like toddler. A, yeah, he's a three year old because he's like he's I've throwing been the Hulk fits. For three years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely throwing fits and stuff like that. And and uh, he had he had the the wear aware. The awareness enough to not kill Thor when he was coming down on top of him. True, yeah. Yeah, so, um, I I just wanted you know it was it was interesting that he he was able to be intelligent, which we don't see that often in the Hulk when he does. Like, there's the few times when he does, right? Is Mr. Yeah, it's, Fix it's, it's is a spectacular a... moment. So yeah, you had Mr. Fix it where he was smart but kind of sinister, mm-hmm. and then you had Professor Hulk, which was the body of the Hulk and the brain of Bruce Banner, which was a cool. In the there's time period. the there's the alternate timeline of the Hulk with the the uh, beard. Yeah, is, is, is the maestro. The maestro. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. and he's intelligent. Oh, he's a horrible thing. <laughs> he's like the worst. <laughs> so, so is, is that is it safe to say that um, you have uh, whenever you have the Hulk with Bruce's brain, he's going to go evil? Well, it depends on the writer and the situation because obviously like when they did that um, Future Imperfect, that was a great story and it's a bummer because I, I have the I have a, a, a trait of that and I've never read it and I really do love stories where heroes go evil and they have to confront it and obviously this would be one of the best elements. Now, I don't know if maybe there's something with the maestro that maybe – Maybe it's the absence of Banner that makes him go that way. Mm. I don't know. You know, that's a tough one to call. Um, but speaking of the Maestro, they recently had him go up against Old Man Logan. Yeah, that was pretty damn cool. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, but uh, one thing I did, uh, I did want to point out is that the scene. So there's a scene when Thor is talking to Hulk in Hulk's room, and and I'm talking about the past, the part where he, he sees. Thor's or Hulk's hammer. Hulk in a ha- Hulk in a hot tub. That's a thing. <laughs> but no, he's got the towel or like he's not a towel, but like kind of or a, a, a sarapa or you know dress, yeah the way he was wearing skirt, it skirt yeah. around his uh, his waist and then he's got the the beaded necklace on mm-hmm. and that is like directly out of Ultimate Hulk versus Ultimate Wolverine. No, no kidding. Yeah, like that look is right out of there. And, and that, to me, I was like, oh, that is so cool to see that. Because I remember reading those issues where the Hulk, or I'm sorry, the Wolverine, the ultimate Wolverine climbs to like up the Himalayas somewhere and he gets to the top and, and you know, there's there's Sherpas and, and holy people and they're like, oh, you want to see the, the Hulk? And he, the Hulk's over there and he's he's intelligent. He's up there, he's intelligent and he's, he's speaking and he's like, look, uh, I think in that they actually call him James. Uh, you don't want to fight me. This isn't what you want to do. You know, it's not going to end well for you. Right. And he's like, I've, I've come up here. I found peace, but that's not what Wolverine sent there to do. So he goes in there and fights and you get the, the iconic image of the Hulk ripping him in half, hip ripping the Wolverine in half, which, yeah. you know, you don't really see too often. No, God, no. <laughs> but yeah, the, the beaded necklace, I thought that was really cool to, to, that they threw that in, in the movie. That is really neat. Cause I didn't, I didn't know that Easter egg. So yeah. That's cool. Uh, so, in the Planet Hulk story, you have uh, the right, like the the main person for the Red King, the I don't know. Well, his lieutenant, Saraya? yeah, Sierra, Sierra, C A I E R A, Sierra. Yeah, she. 
essentially is uh yeah the the warrior for the king she goes after the hulk um after the hulk has already set set the silver surfer free and the silver surfer offers to let him there to take the hulk back to earth but he's like no i'm, I'm good here I, you know i'm gonna stay with my warbound uh she goes on the look for him goes on the hunt for him i'm sorry and then find find the red king uses a weapon they call him spikes that yeah, like their prophecy he basically is like oh this is the thing we've always never wanted to happen and it turns out it's just a weapon in waiting yeah and he and she and he she, he used it on them used it on his own people and that really upset sarah sarah however we decided to call her <laughs> sarah uh and she turns on the king so with all that going against him the the hulk eventually goes up to goes up against him one-on-one defeats him becomes the new king of scar uh impregnates sarah and uh you know eventually she's gonna die uh, but I, I guess not before having Scar. See, now I never read Hulk after Planet Hulk, so I don't understand where Scar comes from. So now this is where I could maybe come into play because I I, I passed on the storyline, but I really like the idea of World War Hulk, where because I had I had read about it in passing, you know, it's like oh, okay, and that's that's a big dick move, and then nothing is better than a tale of revenge. So basically, <laughs> the Hulk would have had his happy ending. He would living have been on living on Sakar or Scar, Sakara, Sakara. So he would have been living on the planet, wife, child, king. And, you know, he's the king of it, and he's at peace in the Hulk's body. So the Hulk actually has peace, and you know, they build a monument to him, which is essentially the Quinjet or whatever it was that brought him, and it explodes, and that's what kills the wife mother. So now Hulk is just beyond like pissed at yeah the, this is like the right, illuminati you yeah so i'm going to earth and i'm going to destroy you so it's probably one of those things where his he thinks his pregnant wife dies the scientists save the baby so that's how he's born and then scar does find his way to earth as well and eventually he's hunting down the hulk as well but then yes this leads to the world war hulks and what was exciting about that was basically the hulk hunts down each member of the illuminati and there's two moments I really remember that I liked. Um, one was when they were going after Professor Xavier. Now, at this point, Professor Xavier is just like his his secondary mutant power has um, happened. Uh, he's a massive dick. Uh, he's just screwing everybody <laughs> over. And it's to the point where even like the X-Men are kind of like, look, Charles, we don't even want you here. Because this is around Messiah Complex as well. Right. And but of course, with him being a mutant, the X Men are like, "Well, no, we're gonna help and protect you." And this was one of those ones where Cyclops is actually blasting the Hulk so much that you see skin peel back. And it's like, "Whoa, Cyclops actually does have some pretty good powers." But then, of course, it's the Hulk story, so he just grabs Cyclops <laughs> and he's like holding him by the head. And I think that was the one where he just kind of like disses Professor X. I forget what he did, but it was just kind of like, you know what? You're already a sad, pathetic man. You've lost everything. And he just leaves. And it's like, damn. The Hulk, like, his words hit harder than his fist. Yeah. Um, and then another one that I remember was, so the Ghost Rider has just come off of Civil War. So during Civil War, I think he, his was the casualties of war. So 
oh man, I think Jack O' Lantern. Jack O' Lantern dies. Uh, Mephisto, or no, Satan this time. Satan, one of his 666 soul shards gets inside Jack O' Lantern. He terrorizes the small town of Sleepy Hollow, Illinois, <laughs> and Johnny helps save it. And then all of a sudden, Ghost Rider is like, there's great danger or no, no ghost rider doesn't want to go to stop the Hulk. And Johnny blaze is like, I need to be there. I'm, I'm a former champion or defender. I forget which team I think defender, you know, I was on a team with him. I could try to talk him down. The ghost Rider's like, no, there's no reason to go there. So Johnny blaze takes control of the ghost rider persona, because at this point you have the two minds struggling for each other. Right. So he drives over there to go confront the ghost rider or the Hulk and they're fighting and fighting and fighting. And the, the, the ghost Rider's not getting anywhere. So finally, the Hulk is just like, stop it. You're not on my list. And Johnny's like, you got to calm down. You got to come to reason. So Hulk slams him so hard that Johnny's out and now the rider's back. And the rider looks at Ghost, at the, the Ghost Rider looks at the Hulk and it's like, okay, it's going to be on, right? And then the Ghost Rider is like, you're just, yeah. you're okay in what you do. And it's <laughs> like, woo. And even like Doctor Strange is like, heaven help us because the ghost rider could have stopped the Hulk and he knows not to. And I just remember that being like, wow, this is massive. Uh, then of course it got a little bit out of control because then you had world war Hulks and you know, some spinoffs and things like that. But I mean, what a great era for the Hulk starting off with planet Hulk. Um, Something I found interesting in my reading of this is actually all came from Joe Quesada. Mm-hmm. You know, he had this idea. He gave it to Greg Pak. Greg Pak just took it and crafted a beautiful world. Greg Pak does some amazing stories. Um, so I would definitely put you on his. Uh, put that writer on your radar. Um, but this was a great time because we had some beautiful art. We had Michael Finch doing some Hulk covers. Uh, I believe uh, Michael Turner, before his passing, also got to do some covers as well. So, I mean, this was just like, if you were a fan of the Hulk, this was definitely the rebirth era mm-hmm. of the Hulk. You know, And uh, like you brought up, Scar was his son. That's one of the st- things that came out of that story that uh, I really felt like it was interesting. They didn't allude to in the movie at all. Like with, right with the, the, the story doing so well or the movie doing so well. Uh, I know there was a lot of talks of like, once again, like maybe there will be an incredible Hulk too, you know, a, a standalone Hulk movie to, to come out of this. And I would think that, you know, a son, the Hulk with a son would be a, kind of the thing that you'd want to do. Um, as well as uh, one of the things in the, in the story is at one point the Hulk, uh, you know, actually bleeds and his blood brings like a uh, growth, like, like actual life, life to yeah. the planet because it's just a lot of dirt and metal. And, uh, you know, everybody, that's kind of one, one of the reasons why he's thought of to be this the savior, yeah, God, the savior yeah. that's supposed to be coming back. And then they kind of did uh, a little bit of uh, re- role reversal with uh, Meek and Korg in the, in the movie, like, the Hulk really befriends Meek, I be- if I remember correctly, correctly, and they kind of have a lot of conversations. And Korg, yes, also part of his Warbound and, and, and uh, a lot of uh, one of his friends doesn't have all the funny quippy lines that the <laughs> one in the movie does. Uh, I would say that's more because the director decided to lend his you voice. You direct a movie, to, yeah, you get the good lines. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, yeah, if you get a chance, you should definitely read. Uh, Planet Hulk, give it a try. If you don't even want to, you don't want to read it, check out the animated movie. It's it's really good as well. Um, just so you can have it as a compendium to Thor Ragnarok to see you know what what how it came about. Yeah, because that's what's neat about this. You could actually watch that animated movie 
And it could be, you know, it like... It could definitely be the prequel. It could be the Thor time Ragnarok. filler, yeah. you know, so you could definitely watch that. Um, if you are, I, I would recommend this. This story is now on my radar, and I plan on reading it. So you have a trade paperback, uh, Incredible Hulk. And, of course, you always got to get the full story. So this is the prelude to Planet Hulk. And this will collect, if you're looking at specific issues, Incredible Hulk Volume 2, issues 88 through 91. Um, they've included the Hulk handbook, which is not necessary unless you want to get stats, but considering it's 2017, I wouldn't stress too much. Then they have an actual full out collection, which is then Hulk planet Hulk. So this will contain volume two issues, 92 through 105. And then the conclusion to giant size Hulk volume two or giant size Hulk number one. So which concludes the, the planet Hulk side of stuff. Um, if you don't want to get to, or if you want to get a prestigious collection, definitely do yourself a favor, go get the omnibus. Um, I would definitely say also, uh, because of what we do, you're probably into the things that we talk about. They also did a, what if planet Hulk? So what if Sierra survived the explosion instead of the Hulk? So basically banner died instead of her. So she comes to earth and murders the Illuminati. Uh, the another part was what if the Hulk landed where the Avengers intended for him to go, and so he actually finds happiness. Ooh. Ooh. And then the last one is well, what if it was Banner who came out of the ship? Spoiler alert: Banner dies. <laughs> but they're definitely neat little tales. Uh, some good stuff there. Um, and then if you like the story, keep going, of course, as you should. And then it'll take you to World War Hulk, and that's the part that I really enjoyed. I thought that was fun. And there's a lot of involvement here. Uh, it tied into the Avengers Initiative book, a Ghost Rider, Heroes for Hire. You probably are, sorry, Invincible Iron Man, Irredeemable Ant-Man, and Punisher War Journal. You probably don't need those um, unless there's a character that you want to see more of. But definitely I would say be on the hunt for Incredible Hulk issues 106 through 112. And this is where, again, if you want to read the the aftermath of it, um, the book became The Incredible Hercules. I had forgotten about it. Yeah, that's right. Uh, it became The Incredible Hercules with issue 113. And then you had the um, the actual book itself, World War Hulk Prologue, World Breaker number one, which then led into the five-part miniseries World War Hulk 1 through 5. Then there's spinoff books, uh, Frontline, issues 1 through 6. That's more how the Daily Bugle and the news report the situation. So those books are okay, but they're not necessary. The Gamma Core, which is our Gamma Core issues one through four, that's kind of dealing with like Banner's Hulk family dealing with stuff. So like General Ross and, and all those types of characters. Uh, X-Men one through three. I do remember enjoying that. I think Ed McGinnis was actually the artist on that one. So that oh, one was wow. really fun. And of course, there's the Gamma Files, which is a, you know, a big collection of all the stats and statistics. I necessarily wouldn't say go out there and get it just because... You know, it's all old material now. And, of course, they did a World War, or sorry, a What If World War Hulk. So that one's pretty neat, too. Um, so your best bet is probably go out there and get some of the, um, uh, the, the the back issues. They might be a little bit cheaper than the actual comics themselves. And this one, I just want to throw one plug out there, too. I love Chris Garuso. Um, he does these mini Marvels, and they're hilarious. And he actually did, at the time when he was drawing them, he would take what's going on in the main Marvel comic books and put little stories to it. So he actually had a little bit of a run in his mini Marvels that was World War Hulk. 
So if you want to see a very cute Charlie Brown esque Warrior do, Hulk, there was, you go. I was gonna say, didn't they do the little story where it's like uh, who ate all the sandwiches and they said they looked at the Hulk and then that's when you get uh, Planet Hulk because like he ate yeah, all. The I think sandwiches that was yeah, that's how they did it in the comic where it was like, oh no, all the sandwiches are missing. Who ate them? And next thing you know, they look at Hulk. Next panel, a rocket ship is taking yeah. being shot off into space. <laughs> yeah, so I thought I remembered it being going. So, uh, yeah, that. And that's all I think we had to say on the story. Um, if you want to get a hold of me and talk to me about this story or any of the stories that we talked about, I'm on Twitter as at agent underscore of the underscore bat. Chris is also on Twitter as stuff I should say should being spelled S-H-U-D. The rest of Geek Elite Radio is at Geek Elite Radio on Twitter, at Geek Elite Radio on Instagram, and facebook.com backslash Geek Elite Radio is our Facebook page. Check out our website, geekeliteradio.com, for archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on the Geek Elite Radio Network. But until next time, this is Imagine If Presents Stories 101, Planet Hulk, uh, saying always remember to geek geek out. out. We now return you to your regularly scheduled program.